Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. David stood up and said, wait a minute, you guys have forgotten who God is. God's for us. Doesn't matter who's against us. There's no need to fear. I'm going to battle. Now what? He's got the sword. For sure, some of those thoughts had to be going through his mind. Because David is now like his brothers. He's like King Saul. He's running in fear. He's totally forgotten God. And he's trying to take everything into his own hands. Sometimes life comes at you so fast. You have to make decisions now. No time to spend thinking or praying about it. This is the situation David thought he found himself in. In trying to escape the long arm of Saul, David seemed to make one poor decision after another. Pastor Mark will be teaching that life is never too rushed to take time to seek God and ask Him for His wisdom. He who has the answers to everything certainly has the answers to your situation. David eventually takes this step After he does, things begin to turn for the better, even though he's still an outcast. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in 1 Samuel chapter 20, as he continues in his series called The Life of David. So as we plan for the future, just stop tonight and think, how'd you get where you are? If good things are happening, you got here because God guided you and you obeyed his direction. And you don't want to start taking things into your own hands, which David's going to do, and try to direct your life. And sometimes we don't even think about it. We don't even give God a second thought. We just do it. It's in our planner. Boom. It's right there. It's what I have to do today. By the way, the way you break that, the way I found to break it, because I have the same tendency as you do, I'm a doer. I just go out and do it. Get it done. Move on. The way I learned to break that is my quiet time in the morning. When I write, God, here's what I need. I need this and this, and this, and this. I don't have the wisdom for it. I don't have the wisdom for it. I need you to do this for me. Now, I get a little impatient. Sometimes I work up a plan in the back of my mind. Know what I mean? Just in case he doesn't come through, I got it ready here. I know why you're laughing. Exactly. But I've always found this. When I take all that time to work up the backup plan, to be honest, it's a waste of my time. Because if I do wait for God... By the way, if I do my plan, it's really disaster. But if I wait for God, I discovered that it was his timing. He had the plan. I didn't need to do all that planning. It was already, I just, I wasted a lot of time. 
And you know the most valuable thing we have is time. And so David is taking things into his own hand. And I just want to ask you tonight, the decisions that you're getting ready to make, you know, we make this little saying, well, just ask God for his wisdom. We know it's the right thing to say, but are we asking him? And number two, are we waiting for it? And number three, are we expecting it to come? Because it will come. Don't lean to our own understanding. In every way, acknowledge him, and he will direct our paths. Now, verse 4, David's asking for some bread. But the priest answered, David, I, I, I don't have any ordinary bread on hand. It's like, like 7-Eleven right around the corner from the temple or something. However, there is some consecrated bread here, provided the men have kept themselves from women. So you women are always the issue. We can't even eat bread because of you. You understand that? I'll pay for that at home. My wife's here tonight. Now, if any of you have bread, I may need some in the morning. What bread are they talking about? They're talking about in the tabernacle of the Lord, there was a table that had 12 loaves. You remember the bread, and we went through that. It symbolized the continuing fellowship of God with the nation of Israel. And once a week, that bread would be replaced, and then the priests were allowed to eat the old bread. Just the priests were allowed to eat it. The loaves of bread will belong to Aaron and his descendants, Leviticus 24, who must eat them in a sacred place, for they are most holy. It is the permanent right of the priests to claim this portion of the special gifts presented to the Lord. So notice what happens when David asks for some bread. All that's available is this holy bread, the showbread used in the tabernacle for worship. So if the priest gives this to David, basically the priest would be breaking the law. But it's interesting, in this particular case, the priest seems to think, okay, I'm going to break the letter of the law, but not the spirit of the law. It's so interesting that he would have that insight because later in the book of Matthew, we don't have time to go through it tonight, Jesus had the same problem with the religious Pharisees who challenged him about eating, breaking the law, which he didn't do. And the Lord, in that day, in Matthew, refuted them, and he used this very incident with the priest and David. So the law was never given to put us into a bondage. The law was really given for man to be free and to serve God. Of course, when we see that, Jesus came right to it. And so what happens is, the priest is going to give David the bread. Because he goes, okay, the better thing to do is to give David, this man, and his army bread because he's hungry. But first, he is going to go to the law. And I want you to just take your finger for a moment and go back to Leviticus 15. And this will just remind you, sometimes we haven't been in some of these chapters, of all the different things that can make a person in those days unclean when you worship God. And God had all these things specifically written out so that people would know that they needed to be holy when they approached a God. So in Leviticus, just go down down to uh, chapter 15. Remember what Ahimelech said. He said, have you been or your men been with the wives? In other words, are you holy or unholy? In Leviticus 15, look at verse 16. Now, when a man has an emission of semen, he must bathe his whole body with water, and he will be 
unclean till evening. So that's why he's asking. Any clothing or leather that has semen on it must be washed with water, and it will be unclean till evening. When a man lies with a woman, and there is an emission of semen, both must bathe with water, and they will be unclean till evening. So go back here to verse 4. Go on back where you were to verse 4. Notice what he says. There is some consecrated bread here, provided the men have kept themselves from the women. So what is the obligation for the priest to say? Are you clean or unclean? And uh, look at verse 5. Here's David's response. First Samuel 21, verse 5. David replied, Indeed, women have been kept from us, as usual when I set out. The men's things are holy, even on missions that are not holy. How much more so today? So there's truth there, but there's also a lie there. He says, no, we haven't been with our wives. We haven't been with a woman. We're clean. No problem. We can have the bread. And even more so, you need to know that we would definitely be clean because we're on a mission from the king. Amazing, isn't it? Amazing. Verse 6. So the priest gave the consecrated bread, since there was no bread there except the bread of the presence that had been removed from before the Lord and replaced by hot bread on the day it was taken away. Now one of Saul's servants was there that day. This is getting the story going. Detained before the Lord. And he was Doeg, the Edomite, Saul's head shepherd. So Doeg, this servant of Saul, was here at Nob at the time, and he's overhearing this request from David and Ahimelech. He later takes this report back to King Saul, which will bring amazing death and disaster to the priests. They're going to be slaughtered. Now David is clueless, but his sins will have consequences, horrible consequences. I mentioned this the other day, but it's good for us to remind it again. Be sure your sins will find you out. You see, God knows all the things that we're doing. And David is totally unaware of what this one sin, going to Nob and Ahimelech, and what he's doing. He's totally unaware of the disaster that's going to come from that sin. And I think tonight, you and I are unaware of the result of lies and sin in our lives and how far that can go and the ramifications of it. Verse 8. David asked Ahimelech, don't you have a spear or a sword here? I haven't brought my sword or any other weapon, because the king's business was urgent. Another lie. It's not only the king's business now, but it was urgent. And the priest replied, well, the only sword I have is the one of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah. It's here. It is wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you want to take it, there's no sword here, but that one. And David said, there is none like it, Give it to me. Next thing I want you to write is this. We definitely don't want to trust our wisdom. But David here is going to trust his own strength. 
It's not by might. It's not by power. But it's by my spirit, says the Lord. Now, David's panicking. He's got some food. He needs a weapon. Because he's just afraid of what's going to happen. So he's going to try to take the whole situation in his hands. Now, as I said before, sometimes we forget because we just read this story through. I was writing this. When David picked up a sword, that sword, did he have a flashback to the last time he used it? It wasn't his sword. What was going through his mind? Did David remember that day when he chopped Goliath's head off? You remember? Who had he trusted in? God. Did David remember it was God and not his weapon that brought that amazing victory? Did David, as he's holding that sword, stop and think, wait a minute. Who am I becoming like? You remember when David walked into that battlefield, his brothers were there and all the army and King Saul, and all David heard was this, how big Goliath is, we don't know what to do. And David stood up and said, wait a minute, you guys have forgotten who God is. God's for us. Doesn't matter who's against us. There's no need to fear. I'm going to battle. Now what? He's got the sword. For sure, some of those thoughts had to be going through his mind. Because David is now like his brothers. He's like King Saul. He's running in fear. He's totally forgotten God. And he's trying to take everything into his own hands. This is David. David and Goliath. That David. Verse 10. That day, David fled from Saul and went to Achish, king of Gath. Now, you have to think about something here. When we go in our own wisdom and our own strength, we become foolish. Where does David go? He runs from King Saul. The last place you'd probably want to go, he goes to. He goes to the enemy's camp. Who is the enemy? The Philistines. Now, remember, that's where Goliath was raised. There's probably pictures all over before his head came off, all over Gath. All over Gath. That was where he was their number one warrior. And so David goes into this city. He walks into this city. And you're going to see in a moment, there's words going out. And not only does he walk into the city, but what does he carry in with him? The sword of Goliath. Now think of this. David, da-da-da-da, what is happening? I just wrote this. It doesn't make any sense for the man who carried Goliath's sword to go into Goliath's hometown. It simply doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make the sense for the man who was sustained by this uh, sacred bread of God to find refuge among pagans. Who came up with this plan? Who led him to the city of Gath? David. Write this down tonight because it's good for all of us. Our wisdom is foolishness to God. It really is. 1 Corinthians 3.19 says, For the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. As the scriptures say, he traps the wise in the snare of their own so-called cleverness. 
So here's David. He's in the worst place you could ever be. He's in the city of his enemies. And what happens when he comes into this city? Somebody had his iPad there, and they got this facial recognition software, and they put it right up. David's face came right there. The, the guy that the song was about, thousand, isn't this the tenth of? Watch, I'm not joking. Just take a look at verse 11. But the servants of Achish looked at their iPad and said to him, isn't, isn't this David? Look at the picture, the king of the land. Isn't he the one they sing about in the dances? I mean, Saul's song is in the top ten over there. Saul has slain his thousand, but David has tens of thousands. So what's David thinking now when he begins to hear this? I love verse 12. David took these words to heart, no kidding. And he was very much afraid. Achish, king of Gath. Picture the city. I mean, what is going on in David's life? Here he comes into the city. Is he thinking it's going to be okay? Is he thinking, I'm going to be welcomed here? I mean, what is he thinking? He's not only known in Israel, he's known everywhere. And so the servants are going to the king, uh, you're not going to try to be friendly with this guy. Do you know who he is? King, da-da-da-da, this is the guy that killed our man. This is the guy. So when he begins to hear that, he knows he's in trouble. And it was a stupid plan. Look at verse 12. Again, David took these words to heart. Here it comes, fear. So he pretended to be insane in their presence. And while he was in their hands, he acted like a man-mad, making marks on the doors of the gate and letting saliva run down his beard. That's a pretty sad picture, isn't it? Sin will take us farther than you ever want to go. Is this, is this David? Give me the real David, please. No, the Bible gives us the real David. We're to learn from this. We've been there. This is the man who's known as a man after God's own heart. And he's scrambling on the doors and drooling down his beard. Put that picture in your mind tonight. And then write this statement. See, what's happened is this. One lie leads to another, and now David is not just with his mouth saying a lie. He's living a lie. He's acting like someone he is not. That's huge. It's not just a lie from his mouth, which is horrible already, but now he's living a lie. And Achish, the king, he says to his servants, look at the man. He's insane. Why bring him to me? (laughs) Verse 15 is a little humor in this. Am I so short of madmen? That you have to bring this fellow here to carry out like this in front of me. Must this man come into my house? When I read that story again, of course I've read it many times, but in the context of what God's been doing in my heart in the last few months, remember we make this statement quite often. We want to make God look good. 
what happened? God didn't look very good, did he? God didn't look good at all to a pagan nation. In fact, David brought reproach on the very heart of God. That's what our sin does. Now, another thing you might think about, where did David learn to act so insane? Could very well be he watched King Saul, who was demon-possessed, and filled with that kind of disease. He watched him. Because where would you learn to do that? David saw it. So by, the last thing I want you to write is this, and then I'll have some good, good news for us as we close tonight. Because of fear, fear to trust God, fear of the enemy, fear is whoever's against us, no faith. What do we see in this chapter? David loses purpose, supposed to make God look good. He loses his integrity, can't trust his word. You can't trust his life. He loses his direction. What in the world are you doing in the city of the enemy? And he loses the very peace of God. Now, I'm glad that the story doesn't end here. I'm glad that as we move along, God forgives David. I'm glad that you and I tonight are serving a God who's a God of grace. Could I hear an amen somewhere? Because we've all been, obviously not the same circumstance, but we've been there. We sang that song tonight, Amazing Grace. God's picked us up. Here's some homework for you, and it'd be good for you to look at them. David wrote Psalm 34 and Psalm 56 as a result of the chapter we read tonight. And as you go there, you'll see that Psalm 56 was a prayer for God's help when that situation became dangerous. David remembered that, and he came back, and he began to write about it. Second, Psalm 34 was his hymn of praise after God delivered him, got him out of there, allowed that to to, uh, change. In fact, if you look in many of your Bibles, Psalm 34 says this, the happiness of those who trust in God. The happiness of those who trust in God. So God always takes us where we're at. He knows we fail. And he will forgive us. That's what 1 John 1, 9 talks about. We're already believers. He will forgive us. We'll come back in fellowship with him. And he'll put us on the road. So we don't want to dwell on the past. We learn from it. But we don't want to dwell on the past. Nobody here wants to go back to those days, those times when we failed. We all have those instances where we really fail God. We don't want to go back there. We move forward. Today, Pastor Mark taught about faith and its opposite, fear. He spoke about the instances in David's life where he operated from fear rather than faith. It caused him to tell lies, lies that ended up being fatal to many people. You were reminded of God's infinite wisdom and that he has answers to all of your questions. You just need to reach out to him in humility and obedience. 
Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. We have multiple campuses to reach those living in Melbourne, Sebastian and Vieira. All campuses meet each weekend and on Wednesdays to spend time collectively raising our voices in worship to our Most High God and studying the truth and blessings found in His Word. For more information, directions, and service times, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on the church link at the bottom of the page. This concludes this part of Pastor Mark's series called The Life of David. He will continue this train of thought in the next message. You'll hear about David's escape from the Philistine city of Gath and his retreat to the cave of Adullam. Through this story, you'll be reminded of God's care for you and his constant availability to you. Call on him and he will answer. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.